Well, it's Tuesday night, and that can only mean one thing for certain. You're here. You're hanging out with us. If you haven't already, head over to the Fantasy Points YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Leave a comment. It helps us. And if you're listening to this in podcast form tomorrow, well, leave a comment, rate, review, all that. It helps us. It goes a long way. Let's put it to you that way. If you're new, don't to you the think program, that when you say listen to the podcast tomorrow, that you've just created like a perpetual loop where now, like, because today's Tuesday, someone listening to the podcast Wednesday hears that and they think that you're referring to listen to the podcast Thursday, and then that Thursday is actually Friday, and it's just yeah. this podcast tomorrow land is now like perpetual for the next 365 days and more. As a time continuum fan, you're, not, you're both listening fan, to this podcast yeah. and about to listen to it 24 hours in the future at all times. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The like view, the, the, the strip, the listens and views are just going to skyrocket after that. Thanks, thanks for that. Confused me, uh, definitely. Look, if you're new to us here, we're not a new show. We're not a start and sit show. We have fun here, and you should too. If you've never watched a full tilt program, we have always known one thing for sure, and that this game can rip your heart out. I know this because I have lost multiple games this week by point zero two points, point zero six points, point nine points. Uh, one thing I do know for sure is my record against Jacob in fantasy playoffs is unreal, and that continued this week. Shout out to the league of record. But what we do know is that we have a very particular set of skills, skills we've obtained over a long career, and with those skills, we will always try to give you the most transparent and actionable advice that we can. I, of course, am your host with the most Thomas hands. I am Thomas Tipple. That's at El Nostra Thomas. Joining me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. That's at Jacob Sanderson because he's super creative. And below right here, returning he's is, on Drew's bets now. Yeah, <laughs> is Lucas Gilbert. That's at L Gilbert FF on the amateur porn site known as X.com. Tonight, we have quite the smorgasbord, gentlemen. We went into the Fantasy Points Discord Dynasty community and we pulled some questions. And it's a, a Dynasty report. We are going to be reporting on current dynasty happenings obviously some massive games this week for some guys like james cook ty chandler we're going to talk about those guys and what to do and kind of a middling game for some real real hopeful quarterbacks in dynasty like justin fields and trevor lawrence and so we're going to talk some quarterbacks some running backs and wide receivers the whole thing the one thing i do know is that trey mcbride is himothy him and my take from a couple weeks ago, uh, I, f I feel really strong about it. I feel like he's just younger Mark Andrews right now. It's it's really blissful what's happening with Trey McBride. TD in the chat, as always, a day oneer. We love you for that. Guys, let's talk about the weekend. Just before we get into question time, most surprising performance in week one of the playoffs. Who do you have? Just, just, just off the off the top, the most surprising oh. performance in these playoffs. Um, Dallas is shitting the bed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I advanced one of my best ball mania teams that I got through. Counted Desmond Ritter's score in a game that he got benched, and his team scored one touchdown instead of Dax. Like that because because Ritter scored more fantasy points. Um, that was that that was probably the main shock. Like. Oof. The home road splits have been massive with Dallas all year, which is pretty unfortunate for them that they lost that game to Arizona and will now probably have to play the entire playoffs on the road. Yeah, they're spicy um, Detroit. But 
Yeah, they. I mean, they remind me a lot, actually, of the like old uh, Peyton Colts teams, where just the way that they're built in terms of mm-hmm. how their defense is constructed, especially like their linebacking core is brutal. They have the two fantastic pass rushers, and they have a secondary that is like very good when playing from ahead. They're ball hawking, they're aggressive, but they can get burnt. And then the the team like th- their overall numbers against the run are good. Um, but that's largely due to that they win a lot of games by a lot of points. And yeah. so they're, yeah. the, you know, teams aren't really very commonly able to establish the run against them like Buffalo is able to and dictate. So, you know, and also you factor in a sort of indoor team like those Colts teams, like they just play way faster on turf. They're, they're, it's, it's pretty clear going to the playoffs um, or going to matchups like this week against Miami. Like they're able to get out in front in the first quarter and their defense is able to play only against the pass then, you know, they can beat anybody in the NFL. But when they fall behind, man, that was concerning what, what happened um, in that game. And it, it kept up a bit of a trend. So that was the thing that was, I guess, the most shocking part to me is that their offense didn't have a counterpunch for it. Like, you know, even in games like the Philly game where their defense yeah. kind of got backed on, like their offense was able to keep pace. Um, I was really surprised that their offense just had nothing this week. And I'm, I'm very interested to see what they come back with against Miami in another big spot on the road. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. A little bit of weather or a little bit better weather for Dallas. So we'll see how that goes in fantasy. Play. I mean, if you lined up Dak and Lamb in the fantasy playoffs, you thought you were dead. Or if you had them, you thought you were gliding. This was truly crushing. Like, bye weeks, absolutely. No Tyree kill. Bye weeks matter. Right. We talk about that a lot. The bye weeks matter. Lucas, most surprising performance in week one of the playoffs. I mean, I think the most surprising is probably Aiden O'Connell, but so mm-hmm. few people were actually going to be having him in their lineups. I yeah. think Ty Chandler was probably the most pleasant surprise, especially mm-hmm. with how late people were going to him. Uh, and then surprising on a bad note, but I think at this point in time, it, it really shouldn't be. Garrett Wilson, was it was just so tough to watch all afternoon uh that one really hurt and of course Bijan robinson that one just that was genuinely shocking that that really really hurt me uh i had a league where the other team had aiden o'connell on their bench and i was like oh i was so lucky avoid that he didn't just randomly start this guy and then i i watched Bijan there with the 0.9 mm-hmm. points that one the that will stick with me for a little while. So uh, I am officially completely out of all of my playoffs, which Oof. really sucks. Uh, yeah. Week one was not kind to me. That's why getting the bye week. Very important. Very, yeah. very, very important. Absolutely. I'm hoping Bijan bounces back because somewhat insanely, um, I was actually able to advance uh, six of my eight Bijan teams that played Ooh. in the quarterfinals. Um, so we got seven going in. I now have my okay. Tundra share back to from the buy. So I still have seven Bijans alive in the playoffs. So I'm hopeful that against my my Colts, he can put it back together. Uh, I mean, this is this would be one takeaway that I always have about playoffs. But just, you know, you mentioned the stuff at the bye weeks. We're talking about all these surprising aspects. We're talking about Tyreek Hill missing time. We're talking about Travis Kelsey getting outscored by like 15 tight ends. Anything you want. Like, we're talking about Ty Chandler, right, being um what was he this week was he the third or fourth highest scoring running back something in that range um james cook was was only behind christian mccaffrey so Mm -hmm. you know every year people talk about the super teams right and 
last year, one of the examples that I used was like how many of my teams with Lamar Jackson, who obviously missed the entire fantasy playoffs, like had a higher win rate than my base expected team. Um, this year, it'd be Bijan Robinson. Like I literally was exactly 50-50 in my quarterfinals. I, I won uh, 13 games and I lost 13 games. And so my Bijan teams were six and two. And my non-Bijan teams were seven and 11. Obviously, knowing nothing else, uh, knowing that one of your starters had 0.4 points, you know, you'd expect that to make a massive impact, the way people talk about league winners and league losers. Well, it didn't make that much of an impact because most fantasy matchups are decided by 40 or 50 or 60. Yeah. And so most often that Bijan game having 0.4 instead of 15 means that either you just lose by a little more than you were already going to lose or you win yeah. by a little less than you were already going to win. And it's not that often that it actually swings it. Even of the Bijan teams that lost this week, one of them, he would have needed 21 for me to win that game. So that's that's like possible. Um, and the other one, he only would have needed five. So that one, like he legitimately lost my week with the point right. four. But out of eight Bijan teams, his horrible week was determinative one time. So all this to say, this isn't to be like, you know, this can happen to any player. It's not like a Bijan take. It's just a take of when you're considering the all-in move, or considering, oh, I got to protect this depth, or really any any form of dynasty strategy that sits around the idea that like each little margin of your lineup is going to matter a lot in a one-week sample is just ill-fitted to the game because most playoff matchups are blowouts. Most of the largest impacts are from a few players. They're not always the players that you expect. Sometimes they are. Christian McCaffrey, right? Massive week. And sometimes they're Jared Goff, right? Um, so it's it that's anyway, that would be um like an actionable takeaway would just be to look at the weirdness of this week and A, like Tom said, recognize the importance of the bye week, but B, recognize like frankly the unimportance of how pretty your lineup looks um and how much some of those margins matter. Yep. I'm gonna go back I... and stir my soup again. <laughs> I really uh, couldn't have said that much better. For me, it was Rashad White. He's not necessarily even just doing it on the or through the air. He's doing it on the ground as well. He just has a legitimate workhorse role, and it's not going away anytime this year. He could quite possibly be the a league winner, if not the league winner. It is insane the volume he's getting and the offense is clicking. So I'll say, I'll say Rashad White. And the crazy thing with Rashad White is like seven weeks through the season, you're pretty disappointed in what he was giving you up to that point, especially like we're not a redraft show, but if you were redraft and counting on him as your RB two doing zero RB and you took like some stud in the first round was hammering right wide receivers the rest of the way until you get to Rashad White fifth or sixth, seventh round, you're really disappointed, but yeah. holy cow uh it makes me very happy i didn't uh sell him for nothing early on the season when he looked so bad uh mm. tom you and i just recently completed a trade uh we don't do that very often uh but yeah we completed a trade rebuilding team uh sold him for a 26 one and i think something else i think it was some like fourth round pick or something yeah, it uh it was it was peanuts on top right. but uh yeah it's, it's, it's unbelievable wild yeah and I, I wish he looked a little bit better on the ground. He did look good this week, but he I wish he, he looked more effective. I'd be I'd feel so much better. But they have a terrible offensive line. They need to 
they need to address that. I mean, every team all every year needs to address it, but Tampa Bay's run game is like the fact that White's getting what he's getting is pretty impressive in my opinion. But it it looks questionable. We have Josh. He says Laporta. That was crazy. Bindles, we're gonna get to James Cook in a little bit. I don't I don't wanna blow that load too early. It's, you know, one thing we try not to do. Blow those loads early. But I do before we get into the meat of everything. That was a nice little introduction, but I want to announce what we have as many as much attention as we have right now across all platforms. The first Dynasty Points giveaway is coming up. When the season is over, we will announce how you will win this when the fantasy playoffs are over. This our first show back after that. CJ Stroud cased rookie card a it is a 2023 panini prism draft picks instant number two psa nine okay this is legit cj stroud rookie card giveaway it's gonna be awesome i'm not gonna tell you how to win it just yet but that's the first one and it's coming up right after the fantasy playoffs. I can't wait. It's going to be sick. It's the first Dynasty Points giveaway. Bindle says, good thing it's not Drew doing the giveaway. (laughs) Too true. All right, let's get into the meat of it. We asked you, the Fantasy Points Discord subscribers, you can get access to that, fantasypoints.com. You're going to want to get in that, all the betting, everything you need. Also, the early bird special is going through March. You're going to want to tap into that cheap as it's probably going to be for the entire premium package. Okay. Just so I know, we're going to cue the question music in podcast form. But here we go. First question from Wabbits. You may have done it already. But pivot options slash good trade targets for some of the injured players would be cool. I feel like there's a lot of trades that make sense right now. Nico Collins, Michael Pittman, Keaton Mitchell, RIP, are on a good amount of advancing teams. They're also players that rebuilding teams would be interested in flipping their vets for. Well, not in the case of Keaton Mitchell now. How many Ravens running backs have to die for this team to make it? To the playoffs. How many? You're just, if you run anything below a 4 5, five 40, don't fucking go there. Because it's over for you. You're not allowed to run faster than anyone on that team. Like, if you outrun Gus Edwards, your knee's gone. I don't get it. His knee. I I almost threw that up was, when I saw it. That was it one was of the horrific. weirdest. I don't even understand how that happens. Um, you know, and on grass too, right? Everybody always yeah. talks about the turf, turf effect. Turf, like turf. he it plants like no contact, he just plants and his back of his leg busts through the front of his leg. I was, yeah, I don't it was disgusting. Yeah, that was bizarre. So let's talk about some pivots to some of these guys. Now, obviously, Michael Pittman may not play, things like that. Do you have any vet pivots that you are looking to acquire yourself on non-trade di- trade deadline teams? Well, I should protest this question. Um, yeah, I know. You a, don't believe in trade deadlines. 
or you uh, do well, believe I, in trade I, I believe fervently in right. trade deadlines. Um, who would I who would I trade as a as a vet? I don't know. It's like, are you? Uh, I'll I mean, it's, it's weak. I'll word it's, it this way for you. Would you? Are you selling Tank Dell? Are you selling Michael Pittman? Are you selling? If I have these uh, guys, if, I, if I'm if I'm contending, yes. If you're still no. in, you're no, just holding no matter what. See my see my answer about the Bijan thing, right? Like it's it's yeah. like these injured players. It's even better than than Bijan. Like Bijan was in your lineup and he scored 0.4. You get to actually play a replacement level um, player instead of one of these injured guys who will probably score more than 0.4. So. Um, I'm not going to say no as in like I wouldn't even entertain offers. Right. Um, you know, if I was able to get someone who I see as more or less equal moving forward, sure. But probably not doing it. The only the only circumstance that I would consider it would be at quarterback. Um, something like, you know, like if I if I have a stuck with like Stroud Herbert, right. um, you, you know, and now all of a sudden – I don't really have a viable replacement. Uh, you know, that's a different scenario where that could be literally like a 10 to 15 point just projection difference. If you're going right. from, um, I mean, it could be a 20 plus point projection difference. If you're going from have a quarterback to no quarterback, but even from like have a QB two to starting a, you know, your seventh best receiver in the flex, like that's a pretty substantial difference. But um, outside of that, um, probably can't think of anything that I would be looking to do a trade that I wouldn't do regardless. Yeah, I think that's fine. I'm still looking to move Mark Andrews. If you're still holding on to him, I think with the plethora of young tight ends, there might still be a deal out there for you to make uh, to a team that's not contending. You might have to add a little something, something onto that. I know I traded um, Kyle Pitts for Mark Andrews and a little on top. Um, on a to a contending team a couple See, weeks that, ago that, same that, thing and that like, trade makes no sense like what what why from the from the other person's perspective like i like, yeah, i did not ask that question i mean you could you might you have a better chance of picking up as you're start, you may as well start tucker craft you're gonna have just as good of a chance of picking up points as kyle pitts like right if you're i agree if, like i just i, I don't know that's, I just, that's why i don't get these patch holes like i'm not saying i wouldn't so like yeah i'm looking at this perspective from the contending team like but i tr trademark andrews like in, in theory, right, um, I would consider it. But basically, it would just be I, – I wouldn't – I would not make a trade that I wouldn't make if the player was healthy is basically Interesting. my outside of quarterback. Interesting. I like that positional take on it. Um, I think that's actually a perfect answer. Lucas, do you have something quick to add? I feel like that was kind of a – no, I mean, like, that's that's an excellent answer. Uh, really, for the playoffs, there's so much. We talked about it, I think, two weeks ago. There's so much variance in what players can score at this point anyway. It doesn't make a lot of sense to do a desperation move because you feel like you have to get somebody else who's not really that much higher than replacement level into your lineup versus a replacement level player you could just plug in. So wouldn't make any desperate moves. Uh, your your time to try to add those pieces was right before the playoffs had, start, or right. had started to like pick up your depth pieces at a cost that doesn't isn't going to be twice as much as you would originally pay before you got desperate. So I'm I'm not looking to make any sort of crazy moves. Uh, 
if if you don't have a trade deadline, you know, go out there, do what you can, but don't be doing it just for right now. Be doing it as part of your continuing approach to building your team. Right. My final answer on the topic would be sometimes the best move you can make is no move. Right. And at this point of the year, that's probably what you're looking at. Bindle says trade Kelsey for McBride. I don't even think you can do that anymore. McBride is just he's unreal. Your time to trade for McBride was the week I told you to trade Andrews for him straight up. That was the week to do it because since then, unstoppable. That'll lead in. Uh, Kayleen, I see your question. Is JSN legit? We're going to talk a little bit about that again a little bit later when we get into the James Cook scenario because I want to kind of rehash the JSN thing. We're going to go to our next question from the Discord. Of course, speaking of Trey McBride, this one, this one kind of is interesting to me. From sad Cubs fan, any level of concern with Kyler? He hasn't been great from an in real life sense so far. Said yes, that's early. But 2022 was also a down year pre-injury. Concerned. Lucas, are you concerned with Kyler Murray? And to what point are you concerned? Of course I'm concerned with Kyler Murray. I'm not concerned to the point that I feel like I have to go out there and make some sort of move right now. Uh, I feel like his value is going to be insulated enough going into the offseason to reevaluate, get people more excited about him coming back fully healthy, and then we'll go from there. But it's hard to not watch what's been happening and not be a little concerned. Uh, but it, like I said, it's not to the point that I'm selling because I'm I'm terrified, and I think that this is the highest his value is going to be because it's all downhill from here. No, I his disagree. I disagree. I think that. his value is going to be fine moving into the offseason. You'll have time to reevaluate if you so choose. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned at all. There's not a smith. So the down year in 2022, you had 20 in a in a six. I'll I'll do it in the base and in in uh in a four touchdown league, but. I'm I'm not concerned at all, especially you get this man a wide. He's throwing to three tight ends right now. He has a wide receiver core that was worse than Lamar Jackson's 2019 receiving core. It is really, really bad. But we're talking about a guy that had 20 points, 25 points, 22, you know, 17, 24, 19, 26 before he got hurt in 2022. I'm not concerned with that at all. And we're still probably going to get him at round three prices. Right, because he hasn't done enough to boost himself back into the first round. A new wave of young quarterbacks is coming into the league. They're going to bump up. There's still going to be room for him to slide, especially if he doesn't go on an absolute banger tear towards the end of the year. I think he's still going to be a screaming buy, and you get that man one wide receiver. It's insane. I did see uh, earlier this week, Keon Coleman mocked to them has me a little excited, especially if they are not in the uh, MHJ range, but that's, that's aside from the point. I do think that, yeah, you definitely get him some weapons. I'll, I think just as fantasy fans, we'll be really disappointed if we don't see the Cardinals draft a wide receiver in the first round. We'll be kind of bummed, but is what it is. I, I can't see them not drafting a wide receiver. They have uh, to. I mean, if not, if not in the first round, then certainly in the second round, but uh, I mean, they have two first round picks. Um, I would be like quite stunned if neither of those went to a wide receiver. One's got to be a tackle and a wide receiver, right? Like that's just how I would. Well, they just drafted a tackle this year in the top 10. So I don't yeah, know if they do that again, but they, they might, they might one. take another one. Uh, or they could go interior late in the first round. Sure. One thing I found interesting, uh, 
So Football Insights, that's his, uh, his name in the Discord. He's the lead for the Fantasy Points, like Dynasty written content on FantasyPoints.com. He is the Dynasty lead. He's saying that teams are disguising coverages against Kyler even more. 38% disguise dropback rate in 2023, which is the highest in the NFL, which is up from 21%. And he has an above 8% turnover worthy throw rate versus disguise coverage. They're disguise, disguising their coverage because this is a one read offense right now. And if he gets disrupted off of that, he is having a hard time making those connections because, again, even Marquise Brown, who, again, not healthy, probably won't be back with the team next year, I imagine. He has been dust. He has no one to go to except for Trey McBride, which is great. And I, I don't expect that to change heading into next year, but I'm not concerned. The wheels are obviously still there. Get him any functional weapons to spread this offense out again like we had a couple of years ago. He's 26 years old. The contract is locked. We're buying Kyler Murray. Big time buying Kyler Murray. Jacob? No, I have no concerns. I'm, I'm tired of uh, Kyler concerns. <laughs> but I, I understand why some people would have them. He has looked absolutely dog-washed. But again, he's coming back from an injury. He's a little rusty. I mean, does he look that bad to people? Like, I mean... Yes, I, for sure. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know. I think his throws is yeah. It's even even some I, of our film team has said he's looked questionable. I think people get tied to results a lot. Um, it's true. No, they do absolutely. Estavio says, "Be concerned and just trade me Kyler for Purdy straight up." Get out of here. We I told you what that would take. You haven't brought it to the table yet. Well, I'll pivot. I'll pivot off Kyler. And Josh is asking if it's time to move off Mahomes for a war chest. I mean, when people ask these um, questions, it's like always at the wrong time. Like, sorry, Josh, I don't mean to be like dismissive of you, but like, it's just how Jacob is. realistically, like He's realistically, like, do I think realistically, like, am I generally in favor of trading Mahomes? Not really. If you are ever going to trade Mahomes, like don't do it when he's scoring not a lot of points, like do it when he's scoring, do it when he is scoring a lot of points. Like the right. idea of like, right. So it's like, it's, it's, it couldn't possibly be awesome a worse time to move Mahomes for a war chest like that your your war chest is going to be smaller for Mahomes than it was last offseason it's almost certainly going to be smaller than it will be in a future offseason like it's it's probably not the time to um to move Mahomes for a war chest because like you'll still get a massive offer for Patrick Mahomes but like probably the time to buy Patrick Mahomes or if you don't want to store all that value in that one asset then you just sit it out but like you know, I don't think anyone has any concerns about Patrick Mahomes from like a real life perspective. Um, so it's really just a matter of are his weapons going to be able to provide him with sufficient fantasy value moving forward? Um, and they can pretty much only get better. So I, I would say that it's probably pro probably one of the worst times to be moving Mahomes. And generally, my take on Mahomes always would be like the time to move him would be if you have a terrible value team. Um so you're not storing a bunch of your value in an asset that can't really go up. Um, and, you know, the worst time to move them would be any other scenario. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay moving him personally, but I think it's just a personal vendetta I have with how the home league went. I need to, once the season is over, wash the stink of Pat, the Patrick Mahomes season from my home team away, and I'll be right back in. What I will say is the whole war chest or 
trade X quarterback for the massive haul. I think that's great in theory, but I don't think it happens as much as people want to hope that it happens. It's the same issue I have with somebody drafting eight quarterbacks in a startup because they want to trade them. I've, I've got this value locked in. Someone will take it. Chances are if that person wanted the quarterback at the value that you're asking for, they would have drafted him at that is kind of how that goes. And teams are, surprise, surprise, not often willing to send you three or four first-round picks for anybody. It's just not often that that's ever going to happen. Now, I'm not saying it does not happen. It just, I think the perfect idealistic deal for these elite quarterbacks are not out there the way people hope they are. Obviously, if you can get it, sure, I think that, Getting three or four firsts for any one single player is just good value for pretty much anyone. But again, fewer and far between these trades are actually out there for people. And especially I mean, at this time of the year. There's a considerable liquidity issue with any elite quarterback yeah. trade. Um, which is like usually the way that elite quarterbacks are most commonly going to be traded is one of them gets hurt and they get traded for each other with some sort of thing on top to compensate for the injury. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. how most elite quarterback trades go or there's some sort of preference thing involved. But like, you know, if you want, like what is the war chest, right? Like the war chest, usually people are trying to accomplish some sort of goal. Give me Purdy and two So, times, so like one of the ways that you can, you know, maybe sell them, right? Some of the ways that I've acquired an elite quarterback without sending one in return is I'm like, I would like to blow up my team or I would, and it's usually transitioning my team into a rebuilder or trying to maybe tow the line or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a ton of assets to make your lineup way better, right? I'm going to, so I'm going to give you like um, one superstar starter and two other starters and my QB2. And then you can get that uh, and then you give me the quarterback. And so that person's lineup is getting way better short-term and in theory, I'm adding value long-term. That's sometimes possible. A, I would say like, I'm way more willing to do that kind of thing than most people. Like I just, I'm not saying this to like bat pack or, or backpack or whatever. It's just most of the time, if people have a lot of like older vets that are scoring a lot of points in their lineup, like people aren't usually very three-dimensional and they're usually just like, I'm going to keep these guys and I'm competing. So I can't make my lineup worse. Like that's just kind of how 90% of your league mates attitudes are going to be about it. Um, also the other person, like you have to actually be interested in that kind of package. And then as for picks, like the, the reality is, is like most of the time dynasty managers who are buying, don't have a ton of excess first round picks hanging around. Yeah, and if they're doing, they're um, not going to be the at the right. Oh my god! Most of the time that one. most of the time that dynasty managers do have a ton of excess first round picks lying around, they're not trying to win, so they don't want to move them. Um, and it's just kind of so. It's like how often is that war chest coming? It's just it takes a very particular set of circumstances. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, hey, we made an elite quarterback trade on a team where we were both contending, and we both yeah. met in the playoffs last year. We've talked about it on other Full Tilt shows. We can mention it now. A trade that did work out for both of us was I traded Lamar Jackson while he was hurt last year because I needed another quarterback. I traded Alvin Kamara when he was 
uh, down bad himself in a 24 second. And I got back Cousins. Unfortunately, I got back Traylon Burks, which sadness. But I got a 23-1 and a 24-1 in that deal as well. And I went on to win that league. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm out of the playoffs already in that league, so sad times. But there, there are opportunities for that to happen. But again, you have to have really willing parties to do that. And it's not, it's just not often out there. Yeah, the only elite quarterback trade I think I've ever made uh, was whenever I was trading for Josh Allen on a team that I had a ton of draft picks going in and I had a ton of draft picks from the year beforehand. Uh, Sitting on it, Ryan Tannehill was still like the efficient quarterback, like a high-end QB2 at the time. Uh, Cam Akers was just starting to break out, but I also had... uh, rookie year deandre swift uh and Mm -hmm. one or two others i I can't remember back this was a couple of years ago but a package together Tannehill, acres and then hunter henry before he completely disappeared in a pick for josh allen that's that's the only time i ever have done it and that was also for a contending or i traded him from a contending team that just lost a starting running back Right. And was able to pull him in, let him maintain some quarterback value. And then there, he hasn't left my roster since. But there, there are like, like, like we've been saying, like kind of how that outlines it has to line up kind of perfectly. Right. And even TD says, I have Lamar as my only Q, uh, QB on a team that's down bad. So I think you need to tear down to a non elite quarterback. I mean, you can just tear a little further back and acquire a plus, right? And be okay. But yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where we're at. Josh says reasonable takes. He has this grandiose perception that an outlier down season may not impact his value. I still think he's going to be a top three startup pick 100%. If he has a massive season, what's the difference in his perceived value? I just don't think there is one because it's expected of him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it changes almost at all. Well, this is, again, one of those things where it's like sometimes we're, it's like we're trying to, like, you know, it's like a theoretical discussion that gets divorced from the real league discussion, which is like, you know, what is his, what is his value is what is his value to your lineup. So if he has a massive season next year, his value to your lineup is massive. Um, If he has a season like this, then his value to your lineup is is probably coming short of what his value is in the trade market. Um, If you, so in terms of what's his difference in perceived value, um, I think that's irrelevant. I think mm-hmm. what is what is is somewhat relevant is what could you actually get for him now, and how might that compare to if he has a better season? Um, mm-hmm. But like, without actually knowing what is on offer currently, there's really no way of answering that that question, right? It's like I'm, we can guess at what his like consensus market value is, but like, it's not like you have to blindly answer a question to like yes or no sell Mahomes and then you find out what you got like you you get you know you get to talk to people and you get to ask them what they'll pay so uh, I would say like at all times you should be willing to listen to offers on all players and certainly if you get a specific offer um, you know maybe take it or maybe not but um, I, I would still need like four plus first of value to really consider it under any circumstances and, and even then I, I would need to have probably not a super high value team it sounds a lot like our discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago whenever Ryan came on the show when we were talking about buying windows. It's not buying low. It's these windows that you get of opportunities to buy where somebody's mm-hmm. willing to consider them 
at their actual perceived value instead of no they are way too valuable to me to even consider making this trade so i think that if there are teams out there that are willing to move off of mahomes then this is your window you're not buying low it's just now they are giving you that opportunity to get an elite quarterback take advantage of something like that you're still paying the iron price Yes. The iron price isn't going anywhere when we talk about these elites. But it, it isn't it, you're right. It's a window to tear down, tear over, acquire a little bit on top, right? And lose a marginal range of outcome uh, within that player. Sure. Like I know Justin Herbert's been like a hot topic. Is he overrated? Does he suck all of a sudden? Dude was a top five quarterback before he got hurt, and he was still producing with like not being able to fully use his hand with an inept head coach and all of his weapons dying around him. Like no. buying just I'm buying Justin Herbert uh, at his cost. Still, I'll still do it, especially if there's a, a larger window to buy. 100%. I, I do think I do think we'll see more quarterback movement generally this off season than last season because last season felt as though the like macro market was very binary. Yes. where there was like a suite of elite quarterbacks that all went in the first round of dynasty startups. And then there were like the ones that were prop that were like kind of the risk reward quarterbacks, which were depending on who you ask, either part of that elite group or not part of that elite group in fields and Kyler and Watson. Um, and then some rookies kind of then eventually joined those, that group in the summer. And then it was like a massive drop off to, all of the QB2s, which were a mix of, you know, the the stalwarts, like the Cousins and the Goths and the Cars and all those guys, and some of the younger upside darts in the um, uh, Purdy and Howell and Love, etc. Whereas now I think we're almost setter, separating into like, into a much more tier-based value system where I think, my guess is Allen will be the offseason 101 um maybe that's yeah. incorrect i think Mahomes will probably still hold down 102 i'm curious to see what the perception is with hurts because his fantasy scoring has been so much more impressive than his real life play so i'm not really sure if he is in that top tier or if he oh, leads off the next year plunges kicked out of the league he's going to be right up there right which i think people need to factor in as a legitimate risk but um yep agree an- anyway uh so so in my in my mind it'll be like Mahomes and allen i don't really know what to do with hurts yet and then you get like that Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, and Stroud, I think is going to be a group. I think then you have a du- another group that's going to be, in some order, Lawrence and Purdy and Tua and Kyler. Um, and I think Caleb is probably a part of that group as well. And then I think you kind of move down to like the other, the next group um, of younger guys of like Jordan Love and probably some of the other rookies and um, depending on if they look like they're going to have jobs, like guys like fields <laughs> or Howell, right. um or, you know, whatever. And then maybe oh, some of the older God. veterans kind of stick around at the back end of that. And then you're like, whoever the less of the starters are in the NFL. Right. But I think it'll be more like, it's going to be like your four first quarterbacks and your three first quarterbacks and your two first quarterbacks and your one first quarterbacks. Like I think it'll be more of a scale. So I think if people want to move, between those groups, it'll be a lot easier. Whereas this offseason was more like a bunch of quarterbacks that were commanding like three to four first, and then a bunch of quarterbacks that were like one or less. And it was very hard to move between those two tiers. Yeah. Um, because the gap was so large. And then everybody kind of had it 
pretty flat and had their favorites already within the tiers. So nobody was moving that far around. So I think we'll see more. I think we'll see a lot more trades of people saying like, oh, I don't want to hold Lamar. I'll move, I'll move him for Purdy and I'll add a first. Or, oh, I can sell Purdy because he's pretty close to the top. I'll add a first and get one of those guys. I think we'll see more of yeah. those discussions, which will be interesting. I think it'll make the quarterback market far more dynamic, whereas I felt it was very static this offseason. Yeah, from start to finish in every draft, it kind of felt like the the quarterback ranges. You could kind of predict how it was going. I think the question mark guys like Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, I think those guys are going to be genuinely interesting to pay attention to, to see how they flux. Like Joe Flacco has showed up and looked like Deshaun Watson was supposed to look, and he was in a pizzeria, you know, the same pizzeria as our own John Hansen was like the week before he got signed and he's just out there slinging it ravens legend i hope we get a uh i i don't hope but i also hope that we get a ravens browns afc championship game in baltimore with with smoke and joe that would just be that would just make me happy personally and hopefully he knows what to do and throws that game for us but um i think some from where i perceive as lower tier quarterbacks are going to be propped up i feel like guys like the jared goff Right. I feel like they're going to absolutely get propped up this year. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I think the quarterback market is set to shift, especially with the young guys coming in and guys like Will Levis, who's for sure going to gain value um, after what he's been doing. Yeah. Dak as well. Rowan. Oh, Dak. Uh, I meant to have. Uh, I Look, I'm doing a soft memory. I promise you. I forgot names. I meant to include <laughs> Dak with the Tua, Trevor, Kyler and Purdy. Group. Right. Yeah, Dak is absolutely this isn't, that he belongs. This in. isn't me giving rankings. This is like my expectation of right. what I think is going to happen. Like there's once, gonna be... once we actually see if that's correct, then I'll start formulating takes, but I'm just pontificating. Right. And we're obviously gonna have look, I know Fantasy Points has lacked dynasty content in the past, not this year. There's a world where we move to two dynasty shows uh a week, obviously. Um it won't be this set of cast for for both, but um yeah there's there is that if there is a demand so you have to let us know you have to comment below and tell us you want more like josh has said he said i love these discussions i appreciate the insight well that's what we're here for we have one more question before we dive into some player stuff and then obviously our player picks i like this question uh i know that you uh andrua a or uh andrew a 101 geez i don't know why i ran that andrua the tea, the caffeine this late is bugging my brain here. But Andrew A101, I like this question. I'm going to remove the team setup specific, and we're going to make this a theory question that you can still apply to this. This is basically a question. What do you do when you have a bunch of draft capital uh, that you've been storing? So let's get into it. The question is, I have a question regarding picks. This is currently what I had this year, 101, 103, 107, 201, 205, and a late two. My question is, is at what no point No even-numbered it... picks, just yeah. all the odd-numbered picks. <laughs> right. <laughs> the question is, I never noticed that. At what point is it too many picks? Should I be looking to trade any of them pre-draft or draft first and then trade once the players are more established? I think this is a great question. Some people say that once you, I've heard... At Shane is the worst, obviously from Dynasty Trades in 5. 
I watched a video of his the other day. Brilliant, by the way. Go and subscribe. Mm -hmm. He says that the second you start attaching a name to that draft pick, that pick loses its value a little exactly. bit. And I do, I do agree with that. I think for my, if I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, I definitely want to draft the 101, whether it's a super flex or a one QB, I definitely want to draft that 101. However, if your team is so devout of talent and value, I think there is a world where moving that 101 is ideal, but it has to be before the draft, in my opinion. Because people really tend to, I know the perception is that all oh, people are more willing to like go ham in at the draft. I feel like people clamp up a little bit more because things get a little more clear at that point. So I think for me personally, if your team is so down bad in value, it is more than okay to start exploring moves for these picks. And if you can, you can start trying to package some of these twos up for some other ones and smaller tiered players if possible. Obviously, this is league dependent. Not everyone's league is going to be able to handle this. But when I have this much value sitting there and my team is this bad that I had to acquire this much, uh, I'm definitely looking to move off some of those before the draft, before those uh, picks values really start getting hit by player names. Um, I think that ultimately this, you know, uh, this question, like every question entirely depends on your team. Um, is it, is there, are there too much draft picks? In a vacuum, no. I mean, you would you would love to just have more draft picks on every single team. Obviously, uh, the, the you know the question is ultimately that you have to determine is like, are, is the percentage of my value stored in picks creating diminishing returns to the expected value of my dynasty team? And the answer to that could be yes or no, depending on your team. Um, the overall question you should be asking yourself going into the off season is like what is the overall buying power of my team relative to my league mates? So essentially how much trade value do you have stored on your team? And you can get a feel for this by plugging your team into, you know, a market aggregator, like keep create cotter or anything like that to give yourself an idea. You could look at ADP and say, Oh, how many first round startup picks, second round, third round, fourth round, whatever. And then you should add, adjust some of your league context to that, right? What can you actually buy? with this value set in your own individual league. And from there, what I would always say is, is if you, my rule of thumb, and it's not like a scientific rule, but if you have a top three buying power team, or more precisely, if you could have a top three buying power team and compete, you should always do that. Mm. Um, mm. Now, sometimes you might have a current top three buying power team, but all your buying power is stored in 2026 firsts. And you're probably taking a loss on that asset in all the trades based on what it would eventually be worth if you keep it. And so then you no longer have a top three buying power team because you've spent all your buying power selling off assets low. Don't do that. So basically, that would, so my ultimate answer to this question would be is look at the buying power of your team. Also, can you compete now, right? Like, let's say you've already been tanking. So you already have a bunch of rookies from this 2023 class on your team. And you have a bunch more picks coming in in 2024. Well, you might actually be better off trading some of your youth um, that's already had some of that value gain that maybe you're not quite as sold on. Consolidate some of that into players that are going to score more points next year, and then keep the picks because you know it's there's a cycle to this. Where, like Shane said, when you when you make a pick, car off the lot. 
lose some of its value. That applies basically from like May through August. But then once you get into the actual season, on net, rookies are more, more likely to increase in value than to decrease in value. So once you actually make it to December, you're, you're better off really having as many rookies uh, on your team as possible. So you should probably try and figure out how many picks do you need to sell in order to field a roster that's a realistic chance of contending if you have chosen that contending is in your interests. You want to sell some of those now. And then once you've sold off as many as you need to, then you probably want to hold all of your rookies for the rest of the summer. And then you want to play out the season and then address in season how you should potentially react and make right. more moves from there. Right. There does come a point where holding on to stored value just becomes a nick. Sometimes you do have to just decide, I actually want to win and win some championships and win some money and do what I'm supposed to. I feel like holding that much value, like Jacob said, and how he laid it out is how you end up in perpetual rebuilds. We're like, oh, I, d- I just don't understand why I'm always rebuilding. Do not be afraid to sell some of that off, which I think is a a wonderful point. Lucas, I know you have mentioned in the past that you have this habit of just being in these stages of rebuild. How do you approach something like this? When do it's, you know it's time to get rid of some? It's because whenever you're in a stage of always rebuilding, you get to these scenarios where you have this many first and second round picks and draft is so much fun. Sure, it's short lived. And that's definitely an aspect of it. But there's so much that can go on here. You have so many ways that you can improve your team because you know who wants draft picks? Every single team in your league, every single manager in your league. Andrew Jameson. Yeah, and he never wants them. Fair enough. But in every single league that you're in, there's going to be managers who are just infatuated with players. They know exactly where that player's supposed to go. And as you're coming up on your fantasy draft, you have so many good opportunities to move these picks for other assets to make your team better, especially if you know that these aren't players who you're already factoring in being like long term parts of your team if you're just constantly churning through there's just so many good opportunities because everybody wants to buy picks you can move picks for pretty much any players nobody's going to say no really to wanting a pick involved in a trade it's just it's a lot of fun seeing here with the 101 103 107 that's a fantastic place to be uh, especially knowing like at least how top heavy the top two are Drake may has a chance depending on his draft capital to make it a little bit better at the third there. I'm moving Jane that Daniels. to a one though, or sorry, Jane Daniels, my bad. Let's not say that too much uh, around uh, John. Although John Arrington absolutely loves Jane Daniels, but I think he's getting sad with how much people are crapping on Drake May. but that's fine. It is what it is. I'm not crapping on me. I I'm just, um, my, I have a prediction. All right. My prediction is that we're going to be in like April and people are going to be like, you have to take Jane Daniels ahead of Drake May at the one of three because he runs. And then people will be like, have you seen Drake May's rushing stats? He'll be like, no, I looked at him and he's white. He doesn't run. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's going to happen in April. It's like, yeah. like there will be, I, take a drink, take a, your own personal shot. Every time that Drake May's lack of rushing upside is referenced on a dynasty rookie pod this off season be because ours, someone looked at him was like, Oh, that's a white dude. And then didn't look at any of his college stats. That's like, just, just expect that and embrace that. 
Yeah, I it mean, won't be on this pod, that's for sure. But like, just trying to game theory a little bit here. Two hundred one, you move that immediately. Whether you're moving yeah, up like one of your first, of yeah. Whether you're moving up one of your first or you're trying to pick up another player, there's somebody who is convinced that there's one more player who should have been a first round pick, and they're going to get them in the second round. You yeah. find that manager, you take advantage of that manager as soon as possible. And really, the 107, I think, is your most fun pick. I think that that's a place where you have a lot of movement, especially during the draft. If you can move it beforehand, definitely do. But even during the draft, the 107, you can move back with that so easily, maintain getting a first. And especially in a year like this, where there's so many wide receivers who are stacked in that next tier after MHJ and neighbors, that you'll be able to move back in there, pick up extra assets, and still end up getting a wide receiver in a similar tier at the back mm -hmm. end of the first round. Or if we get lucky and more quarterbacks are going in the first, then you can also pick up a quarterback there. Uh, there's, there's just so much fun that you can have with these. Right. I don't think, uh, Andrew, if you go through this draft process and you do nothing with your three first-round picks, then I think you are not taking advantage of the opportunity right. that is in front of you. Do and, something with it because you, you can. You have that ability. And I just want to say that if your only path to competing in your mind is just by hitting on these draft picks, good luck. Because I hate to tell you, it's a gamble no matter what. You can be the guy that always drafts the Justin Jeffersons at 111, or you can be the guy that trades the 103 that turns out to be Jonathan Taylor for what turns out to be Jalen Rager and Keyshawn Vaughn. And if you do that, you're, you're yeah, I did it once famously. I've talked about it many times on this show. And now you're set back even farther. So I think you have to equally not be afraid of finally progressing through moving off of some of the store value. I think that's a great way to summarize it with everything else. We do have a dynasty trade question, which I, I like. We did say we will answer these, so we're going to answer this one. We're going to keep in mind that this is in a vacuum because we don't know the state of your league. So every answer you're going to get from us is don't even know the state of the league on this one. Keep cup. Yeah, you keep cup here. He said for the for the listeners, got an offer for cup. Was offered Romeo Dobbs plus a second rounder plus a third rounder for cup. Should I trade cup? No, absolutely not. Would not do that at all. And he also says, Jacob, nice uh, nice album selection on the wall. Thank so you another for the listeners. We have uh, well, I don't I don't switch them out. It fits the room aesthetic that people can't see any of my other furniture, but. Neutral Milk Hotel in the airplane over the sea. We got Velvet Underground on Nico. We have Black Sea by XTC. We have Elliot Smith's self-titled album, Is This It by The Strokes. We have Your Blues, uh, Destroyer. We got uh, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. No, oh, we got a nice, nice ball. We have, we have just such different albums. Speaking tastes. in tongues. Like, Sorry. He, 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 here, I've, here I've got like Pop Smoke's vinyls ready to go up on my wall and and you've got these ones it's it's amazing i love it uh i just can't imagine how different our spotify rewinds were this year it, it would um, be crazy you know what yeah what, what uh well jacob's an what were your spotify Apple rewinds guy. 
Uh, so number one, Taylor Swift. Number two, uh, Twenty One Pilots. Uh, number three, Jonas Brothers. Uh, oh so really feeling good. And then uh, I had Andy Grammer oh, and The Weekend. Oh, so, the Weekend, Shadow Canada. Okay, yeah. So uh, we'll I had that. had a Ours lot of fun with that. Different. Tom, what do you got? Number one, Pop Smoke for the third year in a row was my most nice. listened to. Number two, Quavo. So shout out. Uh, number three was Run the Jewels. Number four was Nas. And number five was 30 Seconds to Mars. So there's my, 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 if you dare say, pigment coming into effect right at the end of that bottom five. Because 30 Seconds to Mars. And I guarantee that entire thing was just the kill. Like, I don't think <laughs> another 30 Seconds to Mars song played all year but yeah those are my those are my oh sorry no that was in my most songs played that's why that rings a bell number five was t-pain so shout out I'm t-pain. T-Pain. um uh <laughs> obviously i use apple music so my apple music replay uh was number one noah khan number two modest mouse number three talking heads number four Radiohead. uh number five charlie bliss yeah i yeah we're all you two They're are close. The I'm the black sheep of this podcast in my listening. Uh, Dave says uh, me and Tom's pretty aligned to music. Yeah, because we're gremlins. Trap, trap, baby. Spotify right, will even show that I listen to another genre other than pop. I am a pop girly <laughs> through and oh, through. Gosh. I understand this. I know my lane, man. I stay in that. You stay in that stay lane? In, nice. Stay in that lane. Before we, before we get on the player picks, I just want to ask a couple. We can do this fairly quickly so we're not here forever. Do you have any uh, on the show sheet, if you're looking at it, I have a couple of players here, and I just want to use them for examples. Do you have any strong views on some of these guys and and how we're handling? Like, I want to talk more specifically about guys like Ty Chandler and Rashad White. We talked about how the running back position is kind of disgusting when you put them into a rankings and a bunch of tiers, but they're going to score a bunch of points with a meh class of rookies coming in, at least from what it appears, and obviously a kind of terrible free agent running back situation right now. Like Josh Jacobs looks like he's dust heading into 27. Barkley, we don't know what we're going to get from him. Like the the free agent running back class doesn't look super hot, and the rookie running back class doesn't look super hot. So I'd be interested to hear some takes on, on how you're viewed. Like I view Ty Chandler as a very strong buy. I understand that it was the Bengals' defense, but he looked legitimately good in the passing game and running the football. And every time they put Alexander Madison on the field, it it should be one more tick into Kevin O'Connell getting yeah. let go. Uh, Madison shouldn't see the field again for the rest of the year. So I view him as a very strong buy, and I'm willing to do the pay high price on him. Same with Rashad White. I mean, I what's high? Buy, what are you buying? For I would like buy that? him for a second and a third. Right, okay. like I think that's pretty high considering it was one yep. game. I'd I'd be willing to do that because the upside is there. For me, Rashad White's a player that I'm also a hundred percent in on acquiring at what his cost. Kind of like I said, Lucas and I we talked about it. Contending team traded a twenty six one for Rashad White. I'm loving that. I I think his role is there next year as well. Yeah, I think they might be able to bring in a grinder or someone else. You know that could actually help take that job, not Sean Tucker, who apparently they just loathe and is bad at the game. But, yeah, they could bring in a grinder or someone like that to to help 
relieve some of these LDD carries, but he's great in the passing game. He's shown he's good enough in the red zone. I'm buying high on him as well. And then guys like James Cook, I feel like are a fragile top 12 running back where they could lean either way. I think we're going to have to dive into I mean, the rest of the year to see what I think James Cook maintains. is. I think Cook is less fragile than White in the sense that like his see, I don't. His skill set I think is more limited, but he's very very great at what he does. And they and then they also invested a second round pick in him. So I don't think that he's at like any risk of like replacement anytime soon. I think that he's at risk of being confined to being more of what he was for most of the season than what he's been the last few weeks. But like he has a legitimate pass catching skill set. He's legitimately explosive and he's efficient on the diet of touches that they provide for him. I'm still not convinced that he's like an elite all around back. Who's going to see a ton of volume and be successful with it but I wouldn't rule that out entirely either. Um, but more than anything, oh my God, I just broke my chair. Um, anyway, um, but with Cook, like he, I don't know, he has a defined, he has a defined skill set that he's great at. With White, I, I think he's, a, he's more of the all around back, which makes him more valuable for fantasy in the short term. I still don't think he adds a lot as a runner. Um, so, like in any capacity really so to me it's more if he ended up getting a large portion of his workload taken away i don't think that would be an irrational decision by tampa i don't necessarily think it's going to happen either um just in the sense that like you know we were talking about this running back class is quite poor yeah so i think with pretty much all of these quote-unquote fragile backs like i think betting on them as a group it's probably going to work out well. Uh, I'm sure that a couple of them individually are going to get spiked. Yeah. But I would say like on the aggregate that they're going to do quite well this off season. Um, it's just obviously like very impossible to decide like which ones are the ones that are going to be surviving. So I think if you're playing in 20, 30, 40 leagues and you want to invest in Pacheco's and cooks and whites and Chiron's, um, Etc. And you know Brian Robinsons or Ty Chandler's or whatever else. Like I think that will probably be profitable for you if you're in one or two leagues. I understand the hesitancy where if you you know pick on the wrong one and that's the one that gets spiked, then it becomes a lot harder to survive, right? Yep. And I would I, I would agree with everything you all are saying. I like that you threw in Kyron Williams here at the end yeah. too. Uh, another player definitely be paying attention to. Uh, it, a hard time with him, man. A lot, though, unfortunately, just to buy right now. But if you can, well, don't buy these guys now. But Wait to the offseason. The, the last thing enough. I'm right, like because right now, like you, you know, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show. This is kind of an evergreen conversation. Don't buy, have, not like, don't buy for the immediate. Like, the time to buy impactful help to your dynasty team is when the window is longer, like week six, week seven when they can help get you a buy and then help you in three playoff games. Like that's the time to make short-term buys. Now is not the time to make short-term buys. Like you are where you are. You're in the semifinals. The odds that any one acquisition is the reason why you win or lose your dynasty championship. So small. Think what needs to happen at this stage. Basically you, you need to add someone. You need to win your dynasty championship. And you need 
for the difference between whoever you add and whoever you would have otherwise played score to be the difference in one of those two games, right? That's like infinitesimal. It's not impossible, but it's very, very, very unlikely that you win and that that trade was actually the reason why. I understand if you make a trade and you do win and you would have won anyway without that trade, you're not going to be upset about it because you've won. But I'm just saying at this stage, proactively, it's very, very unlikely. So I cannot recommend enough against making a short-term buy. So with Kyron Williams, if you're sold on Kyron Williams, like right now, his cost is top three running back for the next two weeks, plus whatever else. Like if you want to buy Kyron Williams, just wait for these two weeks to end yeah, and then buy for the whatever else. But at least then you don't have to pay the added price of what he's going to do for you the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, like, because that two weeks is, is very not, it's very unlikely to actually be the reason you win your dynasty league, but it's going to comprise a big portion of the cost. So I don't know what he's going to cost this off season, but I promise you whatever he's going to cost this off season, it's going to be less than he would cost today. Right. And it's very unlikely that that difference is going to be worth it. Yeah. That's, that's why this was more just a, a, um, a take of kind of what to expect more or less. Again, we talked about it earlier at length and Jacob just retouched on it. Don't do it now. The time is it's over. I, I would like to throw Tajay Spears also into this group as another yeah. running back to definitely be paying attention to right now after playoffs and that's someone even like with someone like ty chandler who i i really like ty chandler he's the person i feel most insecure about if you can find a way to move from chandler to uh tajay spear who like at least me personally i feel much much more secure about definitely do that i mean the time to move for spears actually could be now because like you're not gonna feel all that great you're not feeling all that great about starting him in the playoffs like he's kind of a flex play right now right he's, he's in a split backfield not seeing any goal line reps so as soon as the offseason hits and derrick henry's assumed gone and everyone is penciling in spears as the guy you gotta get and the guy who's gonna get all that work like that's when spears all of a sudden becomes more expensive so mm-hmm. like you just said lucas like now is the time that yeah i would trade chandler for spears if that was possible or if you could trade and you know a veteran for Spears right now, that that would be the guy I would target right now because his long term outlook is is going to get a lot better as soon as these two weeks end. Right, but that also fits into your don't don't buy for the short term. That's still a long term yeah. play that you can mm-hmm. buy right, right. now. Uh, yeah, you can buy sure. him cheaper. I think that's... you can buy Spears cheaper today, and then you're going to be able to buy him for in two weeks probably. Or you know maybe not in terms of picks or something, but I mean like the assets that you can use to get Spears with, like you might have a chance. To move Ty Chandler and not much else for Ty Spears today. That that's probably not going to be the case uh, in February. Maybe right. you can move. I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't even matter which running back you pick. Uh, whatever whatever Saquon for Spears plus looks like in the off season. The plus is you know I don't know who pick any pick any old running back you have on your roster. Whatever iteration right. of that deal with Spears, it's going to be harder to sell in the off season. Yeah, because the minute you want to beat the Derrick Henry news for sure. So you yeah. know, if you got to pay a little bit to get ahead of it, do that. Those are just some players at the running back position. I want to touch on uh, potentially some players at the wide receiver position. I know, Jacob, you and I discussed at pretty decent length. Um, JSN, I had an issue with there was a discussion that I had in the Full Tilt Discord about JSN's world not being able 
to expand and what we do and don't think that he can do. Well, his role did expand. There's a reason I don't talk about absolutes. The targets weren't necessarily there, but obviously the deep ball made a ridiculous catch and in the game. Shout out Drew Locke, by the way. And then also so wholesome to see Geno Smith just hyping. You brought the backpack back and Geno Smith doing it on the sideline. He he was it, it genuinely warmed my heart. But these are the kind of performances that I talked about beforehand. And I know someone had asked, I forget who asked the question. So shout out to you. Um if if he's for real i think he's a very good player but again i'm looking more at 2024 and what happens with tyler lockett or if pete carroll's actually gone and we stop you know running him out as the the third option at wide receiver all the time but i obviously think he is a for real player i think even after jacob you talked me down from where my hard stance was on jsn i see him definitely being more of a middle of the field deontay johnson type player maybe a little bit better than that, than maybe that elite upside wide receiver, which is kind of how I feel like about the Josh Downs and the Zay Flowers. I think he's worked himself right into that tier. I don't think he's on a separate tier from that as of right now with what we know, but I think he is a for real good player. But I think the the players that are going to be going around him in the offseason, the Michael Pittmans, etc., I think that they are a better option at his price. But I think that these next few weeks are going to really determine how clear that is because he could absolutely continue to ball out and it will shift everything. But I think he is for real. Are there other wide receivers that kind of fit into this keeping your eye out for the next couple of weeks specifically So see I'm- what we're going to be doing with them? I want to give Jacob some credit here. Uh, we were early on in the season playing a uh, fantasy stock market game. And one of the first names that Jacob put in for was Rashi Rice. That He is so much fun right now. Absolutely love watching him. Love seeing what his role has expanded to. And when we've been disappointed by wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver on the Chiefs, it's it's really fun to like actually be excited about one. Yeah, he's n- never going to be Tyree Kill, but he looks like a very good possession wide receiver, getting so much more work. He's producing, scoring touchdowns, uh, getting a ton of targets. That's that's a lot of fun. Definitely watching uh, Rashi Rice is probably my primary one. And then uh, I I really like Jaden Reed. He's not somebody that I'm actively going out for. They are doing a lot of designed plays for him, Mm -hmm. which is encouraging. They really want to get him involved. I would like to see him more involved, though, in some of the deeper passing game than kind of like the short stuff, like the initial things that they were doing with Debo just to get him involved. I'd like to see him involved down the field. And there's one more name. I've already lost it. Oh, Quentin Johnston. Pay attention to what his value is at the end of the season. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not saying bye. I'm not saying bye. I'm not saying bye. All right. But we've already seen if you're just looking at DLF, his value's been up and down, up and down is right now going back up. That's somebody. Once you get to the end of the season, find the fantasy manager who is like, oh, you know, I'm going to take him as a reclamation project. They're going to pay up a little bit because they want the upside. Watch at the end of the season. That's going to be a good time to offload, especially if he can have one or two more double-digit fantasy point games. It doesn't have to be pretty. 
It just has to be good enough to find an opportunity to move him for not absolute garbage. Yeah, Quinn Johnson's getting to the Robbie Anderson level of hatred for me at this point. I want absolutely no part of it at all at any time ever. Get out of here. Uh, done. I'm done. It, it was it was it was advice out there to be able yeah. to move off of him. No, do the Sky Moore thing and just get off for what you can. Like honestly, honestly well, there was a that, time there out. was a time this offseason where Sky Moore and Traylon Burks, you sat there and their value started to go back up again because people were getting excited about like yeah. there's so much untapped yeah. potential I'm here. I'm interested to see what happens. Like we've seen this every year. This happens. Um, I, I do think it's. I think QJ is liable to be uh, viewed very differently than some of the other sort of resuscitated face planters, but I'm maybe I'll be wrong about that. Um, I think part of the reason is like some of the other guys that have gotten resuscitated, it had like more excuses, right? So Burks had a lot of injuries and he actually had some impressive games mixed in. He wasn't like a total stone zero. He was probably closer to like a Bateman rookie year than like a Rager, Quentin Johnston, Sky Moore rookie year. And then Sky, like, he had a few things going in his favor. Um, you know, he had the land, he had the chiefs upside, which QJ um, has that one with Herbert, but he also had like not horrendous per route peripherals. And he had um, actually a pretty solid, although on a limited sample reception perception. And he was also a late second round pick from a small school. So it was a little bit easier to say like, and I mean, I, be- I believed it to an extent, like, okay, He's not, this guy wasn't horrible and he, he's just kind of getting brought along slowly. And Hey, if the upside ever hits, like the impact's going to be pretty big in this offense. And then, you know, and then it was clear he's going to be a featured starter start the season. And so it's like, Oh, like, well, how, you know, how bad can it really be? If he's going to be the starter, the floor is kind of reasonable and maybe he's good. Johnston might have some of that, right? He, he'll have the Herbert effect. That's helps. Have a new staff that's going to help, I think, a little bit with people like, oh, maybe it's the old coaching staff. And he's probably going to be a week one starter for them because I don't see, you know, how 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 he's not going to be a week one starter for them. Like they just don't really have any other guys. Um, I presume that um, Mike Williams probably uh, is not retained, and we'll see what happens with Keenan. So that's going in his favor. The issue is his per route peripherals fucking suck. His reception perhaps perception sucks. So I and he was a first round pick on a team that had a ton of injuries at receiver. So it's not like he wasn't given opportunities this year in the way that Sky was, where we we were like, oh, we don't know. What if he would have shown with more opportunities? Like Johnson got all the opportunities, total ass, first round pick. So I don't know. Plus, you also have like had Sky Moore had a really good year this year, that would have been a big help to Quentin Johnson's value. People could be like, look at Sky Moore. This is why we shouldn't give up on people. Right. Whereas now people are like, look at Sky Moore. That's why we should give up on people. <laughs> so, like, eventually there's going to be one of these face planters that actually does have a good bounce back year. And I think at that point, people start buying back in on the face planters. But for now, man, like, it's it's just been such a run of them doing poorly. And the face plant theory has gotten so much more PR. I don't know if I see it. I don't know if I see outside of like a few isolated incidents, people actively wanted to give you second round picks for Quentin Johnson in the offseason. 
No, it won't happen. It it's 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 so Jover. I think the only thing that could do it is if he goes on this Herculean run with Easton Stick towards the end of the year and he gets some like garbage time. Just some real You know what? No. There is no world where it happens. It you've 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 missed. Jacob, I remember earlier in the season where you're like, no, I'm not gonna reactionary. I'm gonna see how what see what happens. And this is this is what's happened. Now now if you're still holding that bag, it's it's done. You have to get out. I don't think there's a world where where he bounces back. I think you're right, but I think people have sharpened up to to the face planner theory and I mean JJ's been saying it for years. JJ Zacharies. I said JJ like we're like we're buddies, but JJ Zacharies and friend of the show though. Uh, has talked about for years what happens after the year first year if if it doesn't happen what the likelihood of that player turning out to be an elite asset is it's been there for a while and I really just think we have to apply it also Mike Williams they do have an out it'll cost them thirteen million roughly to get out of his of his contract but that everyone says the Chargers job is like the dream job right now in the NFL it's really not that roster is ass. So many aging vets on horrendous contracts with like four actually really good players on it. It's it's gonna be a nightmare job, but we just want a good offensive coach, not a defensive coach, uh, to come in there for Herbert and and save everything. But yeah, we're gonna hold off on the quarterbacks for this because I feel like that could definitely be a Thursday. Because remember, this show is not going to be on. T- oh, I didn't even mention that Tuesday. Next week is getting moved to Thursday. It may not even be live. That may be pre-recorded with Jacob and I. Kind of a what we learned type episode for this season with the holidays. We have to move the structure around, but we will have that episode out to everyone. There will be one. Uh, it may even go out on the Tuesday if we don't do a live show for the the New Year's. Uh, we, we might just be recording. Either way, there's going to be Dynasty content coming to you over the holidays. It's just a matter of when. Lots of travel. Obviously, uh, everyone understands that, but we are going to have that content. But I feel like that can wait till next week because we're at we're at an hour eighteen already, and we got to get out of here. Before we go, we will do our player picks for an update. I'm no longer in first. Well, we didn't do it last week because Lucas wasn't here, but Jacob is in the lead now, six hundred and four points, point uh, five six. Lucas is in second, six hundred one point four six, and I am now in last after. You know, YOLO balling it with Winston didn't work out for me that week. 594.24. I am in last, so I need to come back strong. If you haven't watched or listened before, we each take a running back outside of the top 15, a running back outside of the top 15, a wide receiver outside of the top 24, and a tight end outside of the top 10 in PPR weekly rankings. My week is going to start like this. I am a known hater of said player but I need him to have a bounce back game after what happened in Baltimore. I'm going Trevor Lawrence, even though I am an all time Trevor Lawrence. Hater. Enjoy that concussion zero. Oh, I think he plays. I, uh, I hope that he does play. Uh, I would very much like to have him in the home league. Oh no. I might have to adjust that before we get out of here. Okay. I have to the end of the week to adjust that. I will update on Twitter. Uh, I forgot about the concussion. I guess that's why he's ranked so low. He's ranked 19th. I was like, why is he ranked so low? That is why. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with the running back position. Thanks to Jake Tribby talking me into it on the DFS early look, which will be out Wednesday, same day as this year podcast. Uh, Devon A-Chain or A-Chan. Obviously how valuable the Dolphins running back, running back 
game is, I'm going to go with him and hope that he gets in touchdowns and not just Raheem Mostert because Jesus Christ. I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel at wide receiver. That guy has just been an absolute dog and a baller. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Sam Howell won't matter. Sam Howell's their or Sam Howell's their wide receiver one. Curtis Samuel's their wide receiver one. I'm going with Patty Fries against a very vulnerable defense. Need him to have a game like he did when he first stepped in, although it's Mason Rudolph. I'm not feeling too great about that. But hopefully five catches for 55 yards and maybe a touchdown if I'm lucky is in Pat Fryermuse wheelhouse. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to quickly go and make it a quarterback adjustment. So I'm gonna hand this off to Lucas, who is in second. As I mentioned, have at it. You know, first place, it was really fun for the two total weeks that I've been in first place throughout this whole thing. Um, I, I really Jacob enjoyed it. First. Yeah, uh, but now it's over. So changing it up a little bit uh, for me, uh, going with Garner Minshew against Atlanta this week uh, should be a pretty decent matchup. Although now that I say it, I feel like I got that matchup wrong. Nope, I'm right. Yes, he's going against Atlanta this week. Uh, should be a good matchup. Although Atlanta is kind of fighting for their playoff life, so are the Colts. And he's he's been doing some good things, been really consistent last couple of weeks. Then I am going with, uh, my gosh, I'm losing my mind here, Jalen Warren. Uh, he's going to be my running back this week. Not great matchup against Cincinnati. Uh, they've been semi-better, but... Uh, should be good, and it's just all the uncertainty at quarterback, although I'm hoping Mason Rudolph throws him some check downs. Uh, I will say at the time of doing this, Jordan Addison is wide receiver 25. Uh, so really good matchup for Detroit. Uh, two touchdowns last week has just been scoring points. That's that's all he's been doing, so hopefully he can do the same for me. And then Dalton Schultz, once again, not a really good matchup, uh, but hopefully, uh, with CJ Stroud coming back in the fold, uh, CJ, hopefully CJ, CJ Stroud's it's going to be good. The week, yeah, apparently. But, but um, anyway, Case Keenum yeah. was still finding Dalton Schultz. Like Dalton Schultz True. is just—he's going to be a, a big time buy for me in the off season. Uh, Jacob, you're in first. Who are you rolling with to pad your lead? Uh, I'm going to go with Geno Smith. Um, keeping the good vibes rolling in Seattle. He had his best game uh, of the year prior to taking on that groin injury. And he gets a vulnerable Tennessee secondary this week. Uh, at the running back position, I was very, very tempted to take Jonathan Taylor because I'm like 90% sure that he plays this week, but I'm not 100% sure, and I can't take those risks. So give me give me Austin Eckler, who Ooh. is ranked all the way down to RB28. And, I mean, maybe they just barely play him, um, you know, punting the season. But if I were – an interim head coach and I come in, I try to have some renewed energy. Like I don't want to try and win the game. And if I'm trying to win the game, I'm going to play by big guns and give it a, give it the old college try. So I, I think that Eckler plays a somewhat normal diet of snaps this week. And I, I think that he has of course, legitimate upside. Um, if he actually does at the wide receiver position, um, I will take Chris Olave who gets an extremely, gettable Rams defense and Nick Underhill of new Orleans football confirmed this afternoon that he is going to play in this okay. game. So I think that uh, we don't have any injury concerns or at least not sitting concerns. Uh, and he gets to play inside, which is like a massive factor, I think in all your start sits at this time of the year uh, in a primetime game versus a very weak secondary. And then at the tight end position, uh, I'm going to go with Darren Waller 
the Walrus came back last week, only played about 40% of the snaps. Still saw six targets and four receptions in his first week back in action. Uh, I don't see any reason for his role not to increase at this point as they decide to do whatever it is they're doing for the rest of the season. Uh, he gets a Philly team that's gonna that's been pretty soft against basically any type of receiving weapon this year. So uh, I like Waller in the spot. So that's Waller, that is Alave, that is Eckler, and that is Gino. Okay, I like that. I'm pivoting to Nick Mullins. By the way, we are Nick Mullins. Oh, I was this close Trevor on Mullins. This Mullins, close. I cannot afford to take a zero. That's gonna do it. Uh, Jacob, obviously thinking about thinking. It's yep. it's it's we'll alive have, and popping. Uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing um you know playoff uh themed hitchhikers guide. We're going through running back by running back kind of matchup wise. Uh, you know some hits and some misses this week. Uh, big hit. We had a very aggressive ranking on Ty Chandler, which was nice. Uh, I think probably just a collective miss for everyone. And this was Bijan, and then um, you know Swift, of course, fell over his own lineman at the one yard line, which was actively aggravating. Um, so that was that was a big L this week for those. But we'll get back in the lab this week. Um, and, uh, then I'm going to write, uh, as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm going to write up some thoughts on playoff basketball stuff. That'll be out tomorrow or Thursday morning. Love that, man. And obviously Lucas and I are constantly cooking here for our dynasty content. We are working out a dynasty content plan for everybody heading into the off season. We promised you that more content was on the way and we're going to keep that promise throughout. You're getting more dynasty content this year than you've ever received at fantasypoints.com. The big guns are going to be joining us at throughout the off season and throughout the process. You're going to be tapped into that. And remember when we come back for the first regular episode after the fantasy playoffs, that CJ Stroud rookie card, that giveaway is going to begin. You are not going to want to miss out. Hop into the discord, get at us. If you have questions for us, Tag us anywhere you find us. Put hashtag Dynasty Points so we know that it is an official question for the show. We will get it on there, of course. It's the holiday season, gentlemen. I will not see you guys until after Christmas, so obviously a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year is in order. Uh, Jacob, we have a semifinals matchup uh, heading into this weekend. Get wrecked, scrub. Uh, I hope that my continued luck against you in the playoffs prevails uh lucas enjoy watching the rest of the playoffs uh outside looking in go and win your championships best of luck to everyone and again remember to check in on your loved ones it is a happy and joyful season but can also be a very sad and depressing season for some other people (sighs) check in on your friends check in on your loved ones even if you're not sure that they need it remember that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose and that your best days are always spent tilting here on Fantasy Points. Good night, everybody.